You are listening to Reach MDXM233, the channel for medical professionals, and we're talking about how to look forward to dealing with our difficult patients and what we can learn from them. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Stephen Shama, who's a dermatologist on the teaching staff at Harvard Medical School. He's a professional speaker who helps doctors rediscover the joys of their practices and their lives. Welcome, Stephen. Thanks very much, Michael. I'm very happy to be here. We're talking about difficult patients and that we can learn something from them. Let's say a little bit about that, and then I want to talk to you more about some of the, the things that you do in your workshop and, and what you can teach us. You know, the definition of a difficult person is someone who elicits an emotion in us that we prefer not to have. And the question is, why don't we want to have that emotion? I mean, what is it in us that we can actually get fixed in us? So that's the looking forward to it. You know, there was a, a fellow named Mark Rosen who wrote a book called Thank You for Being Such a Pain, and Mark believed that difficult people were sent by the universe to teach us a lesson. What an interesting concept that is. Physicians actually learning something from someone else. Now, I kiddingly say that, but I mean, we often go off into our degrees and say, we know everything, in, in, in a sense, and there's nothing that we can learn, kind of. But, you know, difficult people are people who are teaching us something about the kinds of things, the buttons we have, and how they can press it, and actually, at the very end of the day, how we can make our days even better by understanding those buttons and by kind of perhaps disconnecting them. Well, I think that's key. I think a lot of doctors get frustrated and upset with patients, especially these days. Patients are becoming more angry and more upset. It's not necessarily at us come to the end of a day burned out, but if we can learn these techniques, perhaps we can help ourselves. I think it's got to be fun. The day has got to be fun. Life has got to be fun with all due respect to what we're doing in medicine. And if it isn't fun, something is wrong and we have to correct it. And I think part of what we're talking about in the workshop on how to deal with difficult people and look forward to it is to make this fun experience a mutually rewarding experience so that patients get something out of it, even more than they ever expected, and that you have a rewarding day so it reinforces it for you, for your staff, for the patients, and you actually look forward to the next day. You talk about teaching moments, and one of the teaching moments you talk about is naming the emotion. I think that this is key. Tell us about this. Yeah, you know, in the workshop, we have a bunch of teaching moments that we hand out to participants, and those those teaching moments are, I think, the crux of the of the uh, seminars that, that I give. One of the moments that we talk about is naming the emotion. If you see someone who comes in who appears angry, you must name that emotion in some way and sit down and say, you know, before I begin, Mr. So and So, you seem upset about something. Would it be okay if I ask you what that's about so that we can go on? But I'm at least respectful of how you feel. And I think that's part of it. You know, you seem frustrated. You seem angry. You seem to not understand what I'm saying. And those, I think, are very, very important to say. But you can say it, I would suggest, in a therapeutic way. Well, you seem upset. Please have a seat and let me talk to you about it. I think it really has to be curious as opposed to critical. You're curious. I wonder why you're upset. You have to have a childlike approach to people, not that you treat them like children or that you're a child, but there's a curiosity to a child that we lose as adults. And I think if you're curious and not critical of what's happening, the behavior that the person has, they're more likely to kind of share with us what's going on. Well, I think the first thing is you need to understand your own defenses and, and be willing to let them down for a moment and realize if a person's angry or upset, they're not going to hurt you. They're just expressing their feeling. Yeah, one of the biggest things, and again, it's a button that you have. You're talking about, the, you know, I can call them buttons. You can call them just the kinds of things that you recognize in you that you kind of have to work with. If you don't like angry people, one of the biggest issues in the workshops are physicians will suggest the scenario of an angry person. You're an hour late, and there's a bunch of angry people out there who you can have to greet all the time over and over again. Well, the question is, why don't you like angry people? 
Well, maybe it's because, you know, psychologically, you basically don't like people to be upset with you because you're a pleaser. You want to make everything right. But at a certain point in time, you can't make everything right at that moment in time. You have to find a word in the teaching moments called, I'm sorry. And you just eat it. You just say it, I'm sorry. Don't make excuses that we had a number of emergencies if it's not true. Don't make excuses. I've had a bit very, very busy day. Everyone showed up. And we usually overbook. Just be honest and say, you know what? I'm doing the best I can. I've been taking care of people every day, you know, all day long, and I'm sorry I'm late. Is that okay for me to say? And may we go on? And asking for permission. Asking for permission. I think that's very, very valuing of a patient. I think that's very key, asking that permission. You, you talk about, in one of your moments, that anger is really a cry for help. Anger is, 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 a, is a position when someone is terribly frustrated, building up with a lot of tension. And I think that if you recognize it, when they're crying for help, you can be there to help. Now, if you're the reason for it, you can easily help saying, if I'm the reason why you're so angry, please let me know. But they want to be helped. They want to decrease the pressure within themselves. They don't want to start keeping on going on and on and on. And I think if you recognize that, you can say, isn't that interesting? They're not just angry. They actually are saying, please help me. And what you have to do is, uh, as anybody uh, having a relationship with an angry person, saying, how can I help? How can I make this day better? How can I make the way you're feeling better? And that's basically, you know, I, I tell people, I said, if you want to know how to take care of people who are upset, who are out of, you know, rage, whatever, show up at a uh, kindergarten and watch the way the teachers take care of kids who are upset. Not that you take care of patients that way, but, you know, you get on their level. You look eye to eye and say, I'm sorry you're feeling that way. How can I make this better? You also talk about formulating a plan. Yeah, everyone wants to know that they're valued in terms of, so what's next? Uh, rather than, oh, I'll see you next week. But you know what? Sometimes if you want to formulate a plan with someone, you say, look, this is the way I think things are going to play out. If you use this cream and this cream, your skin rash is going to get better or whatever the medication will be. I'd like you to check your blood pressure, if it's a blood pressure medicine, whatever it happens to be. And I'd like you to call me back in a week and just check in with me and let me know what those figures are or how you're doing. It values that person and also wraps up the whole relationship as opposed to, look, if you're having a problem, call me. Otherwise, I'll see you back in six months. I think people need a little point in the curve to, to know that you care. So formulating a plan, if this doesn't work, please call me. If it's working, Actually, you know what? Please call me, too, and tell me it's working. It's always nice to get those calls, too. I mean, we set ourselves up for problem orientations. You know, if you think about it, every physician says, if you're okay, I'll see you back in six months. If you have a problem, call me. So every time, you're not going to know all the good news. You're always going to hear the bad news. Isn't it nice to have people who you know you're going to get better every once in a while, quote-unquote, bother you with the good news? It certainly is. And the good news is that you are listening to ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Stephen Shama, and we're talking about dealing with difficult patients. Stephen, one of your teaching points, which I really love, is setting boundaries and limits, which means you also have to honor yourself. Yeah, you know, this is actually setting boundaries. One of the most difficult things for physicians to do, conscientious people, we are all very conscientious, is to set some boundaries. Because I think part of who we are as conscientious people, if I may say that, is that we're pleasers. We like to make things better. We like to make people happy. But at a certain point in time, someone can say, oh, I like this drug because I read about it in the newspaper or I saw it on television, and I'd like this rather than this. And what you have to do is basically set some boundaries. You have to say, well, you know, I appreciate what you're saying. That's a comment that values them. However, I need to give you this medicine rather than that one. Uh, and that's setting boundaries. We don't like to do it because it basically puts someone on the defensive and say, well, why don't you want to give me what I want? And your bottom line is, again, with that place coming from a good place, saying, because I believe this is the best care for you. So setting boundaries is very, very important. But, you know, when you set a boundary, someone may not like it. And then, therefore, they're going to be unhappy and angry, and we don't like angry people. But ultimately, it's for a good reason. 
And I think it's extremely important. That's how I think a lot of physicians may get themselves, quote-unquote, into trouble by doing certain procedures on people and by agreeing to certain drugs that they don't really agree with but they're just trying to get the patient out of the office, make everything happy, and then they only regret that they shouldn't have dealt with that patient to begin with because the patient was a little bit off psychologically, a little bit too demanding, and they didn't set boundaries immediately. What I suggest is this. Say, you know what? I'd like to give you this drug and this drug. I know you wanted that one, but in a few weeks, if it's not working, we can rediscuss that particular drug that you'd love to use. But for now, I'd like to do this. That's setting kind of a quasi-boundary that can be broken in a few weeks, And more often than not, patients say, hey, you know, this guy is really listening to me. I'll come back in a few weeks. And often they won't say, you know what, I want the drug that I've heard on television because this is working. And I think that's one way of doing it. But you must, must, must be able to set some boundaries. How about using that keyword feel instead of telling patients the way things are? Say, I, I don't feel that that's right for you. And then they get that you actually have some feelings about them. Yes. And literally using the word feeling is wonderful, Michael. Absolutely. This is the way I feel you would be best taken care of and that I can take care of you. And, you know, part of the teaching moments is we are in this together, bonding to work as a team. We are going to discuss this in the future. I'm here with you as a team to make you better. All right, so now I'm going to ask you the tough question. Uh-huh. You get the patient who's difficult, angry, and no matter what you do, they're just going to be a royal pain. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Time to say goodbye. That's setting some boundaries, the ultimate boundary. And, you know, you can say something like, you know, I've done the best I can, and, you know, you always do this dress. You never do it in a gown. So let's assume you've met the person third time. Every time you've done something, to the best of your ability, to kind of make them better, and nothing seems to work. And you start to get some stories like they're either not taking the medicines, they don't want to get better, they're a malingerer, and these are negative things that may be true or not. You say, you know what, let's get you dressed, let's have you dressed and come into my office, let me just talk to you. At that point in time, you set some boundaries saying, you know what, it appears to me that nothing that I can do through my own knowledge, through helping you, is making you better. Now, you're not accusing them of not taking the medicines. I'm not the doctor for you. Simply placed. And what I'd love to do is I'd like to find someone who can perhaps be better in taking care of you. Now, they may reject that because they don't want to be abandoned, and they're certainly not abandoning them. But I think that's what's setting the ultimate boundary. I'm not the person for you. It takes a lot of experience to do that, but it's the best approach sometimes when you're just totally frustrated and you're realizing that you're yielding to the patient too much. They're upset more often than not. You're not a happy character. You're not thinking straight. And that's when you can get into trouble, in quotes, you know, with uh, issues of... uh, he, he said this, she said this, all that kind of stuff. All right. Well, you actually do a seminar, a formal seminar on this. Mm-hmm. And do you think the seminar actually prevents malpractice suits? I don't think there's any question that it can reduce the risk of a malpractice suit. There were some studies done a while back by one of the Massachusetts uh, groups over here uh, in terms of re- you know recognizing the reasons why people want to start suits against physicians and it's communication issues. He didn't listen. She didn't listen. He didn't seem to value what I was saying. Those things clearly are issues that come up almost always as the main reason or one of the most common reasons for I want to sue this person. If you are a person who typically values and truly values someone and is always there for conversations or whatever, you're less likely to be sued. There's no question about that. Right. I interviewed a plaintiff's malpractice attorney once who said that he could not get this one client to sue because they thought that even though they got a bad result, the doctor cared so much. Absolutely. Caring is it. That's why the workshop is not being careful because, you see, that's exactly what the malpractice people teach us, how to be careful, but how to be care, new word, full, full of care. But it's a good thing to do as opposed to it's the thing that Steve Shamit teaches, you understand? I mean, it makes so much sense to me. I don't know where I learned that, but it makes so much sense to me 
but I keep on saying it over and over again when we begin our sessions, and it's the theme. It's the theme. I want the people to be full of care as opposed to be careful. Where do you normally give your workshops? They're given all over the country, sometimes national meetings, sometimes it can be in offices for office staff, office managers, physician assistants, nurse practitioners, physician physicians themselves, anybody who wants to learn better, better communication skills. It has a heart. We end with a smile and a good feeling for having been together. What do these participants gain when they're done? Well, I truly believe they understand that there's a world out there, Michael, that is called being full of care as opposed to being careful, that there's something called listening, being in the moment, being empathetic, looking someone in the eyes, touching them without necessarily touching them, but touching them with words, and that if they realize that those things are out there, they can at least say, you know what, I never realized it was so important to do that. Let me try it and see if it works. So I think I sensitize people into another world that they may want to enter to say, I'm not happy with the way things are going now. I'd like to try this. And I truly believe it's a successful world to dip into every once in a while. And I want to thank Dr. Stephen Shama, who's been with us today, sharing how we can understand and cope with our difficult patients and how we can learn to be better human beings by interacting with them. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM233, the channel for medical professionals. We value your questions and welcome suggestions for future shows. Send your email to xm at reachmd.com, and we truly thank you for listening.